I apologize. I wasn't here last week to, to dance with the dancers. And, uh, but I did watch this week the recap, uh, not just that one, but the full message. And just what a wonderful day in the life of dwelling place and a memorable moment. And just praise God for the good reports for the last two weeks. So two weeks ago, we married two DPers and got them married and uh, Slav and Yulia. And then last Sunday was at one of our network uh, ministries preaching and seeing God save and deliver people. So appreciate you allowing us to be away, but uh, it is extremely, extremely uh, good. And uh, here in the month of December, we are looking at a series titled Carols. And so we're going to continue with that. Uh, it, I think all of you are here, but if not, they open the gathering today with, Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come all you faithful. And that is the title of today's message. I want to read up front uh, right off of the sermon card. If you didn't receive a sermon card, if you'll just wave your hand and uh, you'll get one now, they'll give it to you. But there at the top, you see some of the lyrics from Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. It says, Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. I want to read four scriptures up front, and then I want to pray. The first is 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. First Thessalonians 5.24 He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Then 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. You see a theme there? Who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And then in response to those three, Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Today I want to preach on the theme, faithful to fulfill. Faithful to fulfill. If there's any other message of Christmas, I don't know of it. But I do know the message of Christmas is that God is faithful to fulfill. I want to pray. Father, in Jesus Christ's name, I thank you that you are the head and Lord of this church. I thank you that you're the foundation and the builder of this community. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would manifest Christ to every heart and every mind. I pray, God, that you would manifest Christ to people. I yield myself to you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you change lives. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. A call to come, a call to behold, a call to sing, a call to adore. Notice it says, O come all ye faithful. Those that are faithful to behold, those that are faithful to sing, those that are faithful to adore. But up front, we must never forget that the faithful coming to behold, the faithful coming to sing, the faithful coming to adore does not precede the faithfulness of God. 
That before you have the faithful coming to Jesus and beholding Him and worshiping Him and bowing down to Him and adoring Him and singing Him, you first have the faithfulness of God. In fact, for centuries, people had sung. People had prayed to God to be faithful. Faithful and come, to come to Bethlehem, to faithfully come to the earth as He said He would. As He promised even in Genesis 3.15, that the seed of woman would come. And Christmas is Him coming to Bethlehem. We must never forget that God has first come to us in Christ before we could ever come to Him. I heard someone recently stand and declare before believers that I love God. Well, that may be true, but may we never forget what the Apostle John said. That we love God because He first loved us. That if you've come in today and you've come in ready to bow before Him, ready to adore Him, ready to sing, we must never forget it's because He was first faithful to come to you. He was first faithful to sing over you. He was first faithful to reach out to you and what you were going through and what you were facing. We must never forget that God has first sung over us before we could ever sing back to Him. Zephaniah 3.17 says, He will rejoice over you with singing. Yes, over you, God. Will rejoice over you. In Isaiah 62 5, it says, Your God shall rejoice over you. Yes, God shall rejoice over you. We must never forget that God has first adored us. The psalmist asked the question in Psalms 8 4, What is man that you are mindful of him, O God? And the Son of Man that you visit Him. Notice God adores His creation. He's mindful of us. He visits us. He looks upon what we're going through. In Jeremiah 31 and 20, you find an interesting prophetic word about Ephraim. The Scripture says, Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? He'd been difficult. And following God's ways, and yet, God says, For though I spoke against him... I earnestly remember him still. Is that not comforting that maybe you, up to this point in life, it's been difficult for you to learn the ways of God, to receive the ways of God, and yet God still remembers you. He still cares about you. He still watches over you. He still desires to visit you. And notice what he says, Therefore my heart yearns for him. And the God who's no respecter of person, he yearns for you today. James said, Does not the Spirit of God that dwells in believers yearn? Yearn jealously for every area of our life to be surrendered to Him. See, God has first adored us before we could ever then adore Him. He says, surely I'll have mercy on you. And when you turn your attention to the Christmas story and the coming of the faithful God to earth and the person of Jesus Christ, you find the... You're saying, what are you talking about, Pastor Chad, about faithfulness to come? Because there's some areas in your life where you need the faithful God to come into. There's some areas in your marriage where you need the faithful God to come into. There's some areas in your desires. There's some areas in your mind. There's some hurts in your life. There's some questions and some darkness that you need the faithful God to come into. And Christmas is the ultimate example that God is faithful to come into the very area where He promised He would come. 
that you may have waited for a decade or two decades or a month or a year as people waited century after century for the faithful God to come into Bethlehem through the babe that would be laid in a feeding trough. Christmas is the ultimate example. Is the same God that was faithful to come and Jesus Christ is also faithful to come into those areas of your life and manifest the presence and the power and the person and the provision of Jesus Christ. The faithful God. And this is what you see in the Christmas story. This ultimate example of God's faithfulness to come. His faithfulness to come and to fulfill what He has said and promised. In fact, Dr. Luke that writes the gospel that bears His name, he testifies to this fact saying, several other people have already written accounts of what God has been bringing to completion among us. God is a God that brings to completion what He's spoken. God is a God faithful to perform to the very end what He has started. He, in fact, Luke continues in Luke 1, 54 and 55. He says, God has given help as promised to our ancestors. In Luke 1, 2, he speaks of the eyewitnesses of the fulfillment of prophecy. In Luke 1, 5, he speaks of God's faithfulness from generation to generation. If God is faithful from generation to generation, then God is still faithful for you and what you're facing. And the Christmas story is God fulfilling things that he promised, things that he would said, said he would do. It is the faithful God being demonstrated through Christ. And Matthew's accounts of the events surrounding the faithful God coming into the world through the babe laid in the feeding trough, you find that Matthew often uses the word fulfilled. See, Christmas is a time of God fulfilling many things that He has promised. And such promises are called prophecies. It's God declaring before they come to pass what will come to pass. They are promises, but they're prophetic promises. It's God saying beforehand what's going to happen in the natural. And it's the same for your life. We serve a prophetic promising God. That God's already made some promises and some prophecies over your life before you've seen it. Before you could even believe it about yourself. Before you ever thought Christ could live through you. God has already promised and prophetically declared where He's taking you. What he's going to do and Christmas is the ultimate example that if he was faithful to come to Bethlehem where people had long awaited he's in the prophecies over your life Matthew 2.15, he says, this fulfilled yet another. Oh, I'm believing for some yet another's for your life. That yes, God has been faithful in some areas, but there's still some needs you have. There's still some things that God said about you. You've not received your high calling yet. You're not walking in all the promises of God yet. But there would be yet another promise, yet another prophecy fulfilled that you would continue to experience more of the life of Jesus Christ, a life that He gave you that He wants you to experience more abundantly. In fact, in Matthew 2, 23, he said, this too fulfilled what the prophets have taught. Oh, the Christmas story is a this too. The Christmas story is yet another. The Christmas story is, and God fulfilled that. And you know what it means to fulfill something? It means to be faithful. The God that is fulfilling one word and one promise and one prophecy after another, it means that He is faithful. To say that God has fulfilled what He promised is synonymous to saying that God is 
faithful. And ultimately, God is faithful to save. For the scripture says, For the babe shall be called Jesus, which means Savior. See, God ultimately is faithful to save. He's ultimately faithful to deliver us from the grasp of sin and the powers of darkness that captivated humanity. And Jesus Christ is God's ultimate example that He hasn't forgot about humanity, that He has visited us through the person of Jesus Christ, that He hasn't left us in our sin and in our sorrow and in our brokenness and in our rebellion, but He is faithful to save. He is faithful to deliver. He is faithful to make all things new. He's faithful to clean hearts and create a steadfast spirit within us. God is faithful and Jesus is the example that He's faithful to save. In fact, Jesus is the proof to the eyes that God is faithful to save. Jesus is the proof to the ears that God is faithful to save. Jesus is the proof to the sense of touch that God is faithful to save. Jesus is the proof to our observations and considerations that God is faithful to save. This is why the Apostle John starts in 1 John 1, says we have handled the word of life. We have behold and seen the word of life. We have heard the word of life. We have observed the word of life. Because Jesus is the proof to all of us that God is faithful to save. It is this fulfillment of God's faithfulness that then bids the carol. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem, come and behold him. Born the king of angels, O come let us adore him. O come let us adore him, O come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Notice he repeats, O come let us adore him, unless we forget the posture and the position and the response we should have to God's faithfulness, to the faithful God. When you begin to look at the events and you begin to look at some of the people in the Christmas story as recorded in Scripture, you discover three words that play a vital role of who become the faithful that come to the faithful God revealed in the babe, Jesus Christ. You begin to find those who become the faithful to come and to experience the faithfulness of God in areas of their need. These three words are idols, instincts, and inquiries. Idols, instincts, and inquiries. You can see these play out in some of the people found in the Christmas story, such as King Herod and the religious leaders, such as Joseph, such as the wise men and shepherds. Let us look first at the issue of idols. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, King Herod began to hear rumors of the wise men's quest, and he and all his followers in Jerusalem were worried. You know why they were worried? He was worried because he was worried about his throne. He was worried about his leadership. Because his throne and his leadership, his job was an idol. He was worried about it. Herod calls to the leading Jewish teachers, the chief priests, the head scribes. He asks them, where in Hebrew tradition claims the long-awaited anointed one would be born? The scribes and Pharisees says the ancient Hebrew prophet Micah said, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah, 
or no poor relation, for from your people will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Herod called the wise men to him, demanding to know the exact time the special star had appeared to them. Then Herod sent them to Bethlehem. Herod said, go to Bethlehem, search high and low for this Savior child, and as soon as you know where he is, report to me, so that I may go and worship him. But we know that he didn't intend to worship him. He intended to harm the child. Why did he intend to harm the child? Because King Herod idolized and worshipped his seat of authority. He worshipped his identity that was attached to his position. He lived to protect it. He lived for the imminent. And because he lived for the imminent, it made him insolent. It made him prideful. And his pride caused him to be incensed in anger regarding the possibility of another king. He was not truly interested regarding Jesus. He was just infuriated and desiring to protect his idol, his self-worship. What's interesting to note is he calls for the religious leaders, the leading Jewish teachers, chief priests, and head scribes, and they get the answer right regarding where the Messiah would be born. And yet later they conspire just like Herod to kill that same Jesus. In fact, they later say that Jesus was born in Nazareth. And they would use this to try to keep people from coming to him and following him when they themselves did not search out the truth that he was born in Bethlehem, but raised of the head scribes, it was their head. They leaned on their own understanding. And when we lean on our own understanding, instead of submitting to the understanding and the revelation of God, it's idolatry. In fact, they used Scripture for selfish gain and for self-serving. It kept them from being a part of the faithful who come to the faithful God as revealed in Christ Jesus. And is that not the case with also multitudes of people, King Herod types and, and other types like religious people, that their idolatry or their own understanding, their pride keeps them from coming and worshiping and bowing down and surrendering their life to Jesus Christ? Luke speaks to this. In Luke 1, 51 and 52, he says, God's arm has accomplished mighty deeds. The proud in mind and heart God has sent away in disarray. The rulers from their high positions of power God has brought down low. And those who were humble and lowly God has elevated with dignity. Notice those who had the idolatry of self-worship, those who lived for themselves, those who depended on their own understanding of what they think God is like or what God ought to do in their life or how they think God ought to run the universe and do things. That idolatry keeps them from being of the faithful few that are willing to humble themselves and bow down to the Christ child and to declare His Lordship and leadership over their life. And oftentimes it's so good or so easy to distance ourselves from the people in Scripture. But I have found that King Herod and religiosity seeks to creep and find itself into us all. That there's idols in our life Idols of self-preservation, idols of I want it this way, idols of, of me that seeks to resist bowing down and worshiping Jesus Christ and allowing His Lordship to be enforced in that area of our life. And the reason we want His Lordship, we should, is because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. True freedom, true contentment, true joy, true peace. See, Jesus Christ truly dethrones us as being king of our destiny in life. 
And when we want to keep ourselves and our own understanding of the destiny and the future of our life, then like Herod and the religious, we are not of the faithful that come and behold Him. Come and worship Him. Come and adore Him. See, idols can keep us also from experiencing the fulfillment of Jesus' promise in an area of our need. See, God has promised you things. God has promises that are yes and amen in Christ. God has declared some prophecies over some of your lives of what He wants to do in an area, where He wants to take you. But if we hold on to our idolatry, if we hold on to the way we tell God He's got to do it, if we hold on to the path that He must take us on, if we hold on to all of those things, that idolatry keeps that area from bowing down and receiving Christ and the freedom He brings. And not only are there idols that will keep people from coming to behold Him, coming to sing and adore the Savior who was born, but if not, careful instincts can as well. We see this in the story in regards to Joseph in Matthew 1 and verse 18. Matthew says, So here finally is the story of the birth of Jesus, the anointed. Mary was engaged to marry Joseph, son of David. They hadn't married. And yet, sometime well before their wedding date, Mary learned that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, because he was kind and upstanding and honorable, wanted to spare Mary shame. He did not wish to cause her more embarrassment than necessary. Look at verse 20. Now when Joseph had decided to act on his instincts, a messenger of the Lord came to him in a dream. See, listen to me, instincts can keep you from faithfully coming to Jesus Christ. Joseph's instincts almost kept him from coming into the fulfillment of what God had for his life. Joseph's instinct almost made him to break off what God was bringing together. See, you got to be careful about your instincts because instincts can keep us from faithfully following the Lord, maturing in the Lord, and coming and bowing down and surrendering areas of our life to the Lord. And this is why the Spirit of Wisdom says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to man. There is a way that seems right to you. But its end is the way of death. See, natural, earthly, fleshly instincts will not lead us to the faithful God as revealed in Christ nor His faithfulness, but to death. There's no natural instinct, instincts that says that God, Emmanuel, manifested in the flesh, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Ancient of days, whose government shall be on His shoulders. There is no natural instincts that says you'll find Him laying in a feeding trough. And if you depend on your natural instincts of how to live for Jesus, how to follow Jesus, how to serve God, your instincts will get you bearing more death, more sorrow, more flesh, more sinful desires and passions that's against God's plan for your life. But here is the grace of God. When Joseph began to follow his instinct, he had to be intercepted by an angelic messenger. Maybe God today is using me, who's not much but like an angelic messenger, to interrupt some people that's leaning on their own instincts. You feel like this is the way to go. This is the way to do. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Be careful leaning on your own instincts. Because it's Joseph's instincts that almost got him off course. He had to be interrupted. You know what's even more shocking to me, and I bet to you, is it says this instinct actually sprung from the fact that he was kind this instinct actually sprung from the fact that he was upstanding, that he was honorable, 
and wanted to spare Mary shame. See, listen, it's not sufficient for New Testament living. I have literally met and ministered to hundreds whose testimony is like mine regarding this, that being sincere is not enough. Being sincere is not sufficient to live out the New Testament method of how to bow down to Jesus, how to yield to Jesus, how to let Christ increase in your life, how to let the Holy Spirit live through you. Being sincere is not sufficient. See, you can be sincere, but still be sincerely wrong. And these instincts represent law living. Living off your knowledge of what you think is right and wrong. Living off the knowledge of what you think is good and evil. Did you know that there was a garden in the beginning and in the garden was a tree and God told Adam and Eve, he said, don't eat of that one tree. And that tree, he said, that you eat will bring death. It wasn't just called the tree of the knowledge of evil. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, even good instincts can lead in death. It's the law living. It's you depending on yourself to determine what is the right way, the wrong way, what is good, what is evil, what is the right thing to do, the wrong thing. See, instincts can get you off course. See, fleshly instincts will keep us from coming and beholding, from singing and adoring Christ. We don't worship and praise and give the sacrifice of our praise just because we feel like it. We give the sacrifice of our praise whether we feel like it or not because Jesus Christ gave his life as a sacrifice. Paul himself insisted that the flesh, your own instincts, your own understanding is contrary to God's Spirit and the ways of the Spirit. Paul said in Romans 8, 8, that those who live and depend on the flesh, their own instincts cannot please God. He told the Galatians, it might now feel natural to try through your flesh's effort to reach maturity, but this is witchcraft. It's rebelling against the prescribed method of God to grow in the grace and into the image of Jesus Christ. So this is why the writers of the New Testament Say you have to receive teaching in order to be established. You have to learn what is God's prescribed method for the New Testament of how to depend on the sufficiency of Christ to lead you and guide you in what is right for the path and the purpose He has for you that you can't lead on your own understanding, but you have to crucify the I part of you, the instincts part of you, the idolatry part of you, and you have to learn to live by faith in the sufficiency of Christ within you. That there is a new New Testament way and method and His name is Jesus Christ. Can I go ahead and tell everybody here that's not been in growth phases that you're invited to growth phases starting January 7th right here from 7 to 9 p.m. because this is what growth phases does. It's where you learn God's pattern, God's way to live out this thing called the new covenant where you can get swallowed up with the life of Jesus and the power of God's Spirit can lead you and you don't have to lean on your own understanding and you don't have to eat from a tree called the, the knowledge of good and evil that still brings death. Though you're sincere, you still can be sincerely wrong and not experiencing all the abundance. You can go by the next step table right there in the lobby and get signed up today. You need the pattern of sound teaching, God's pattern for New Testament living. So the first two eyes, idols and instincts, is what we need to be watchful of that will keep us from coming, that will keep us from beholding the Lord, from surrendering and bowing down areas of our life to the Lord, to keep us from adoring Him with our life. But the last eye is a positive eye, and it is inquiries. We see this in both the wise men and the shepherds. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1, you can follow along. 
It says Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in the province of Judea. At the time when King Herod reigned, not long after Jesus was born, magi, wise men, or seers from the east made their way from the east to Jerusalem. Watch this. These wise men made inquiries. And you know where their inquiries, their questions, their searching, their asking, you know where it led them? It led them to the faithful God revealed in Christ Jesus the Bay. See, we're going to be a church and we are a church and God wants you to be a person and wants your home to be a home where inquiries and questions are welcome because inquiries are the very thing God uses to lead people to the faithful God as revealed in Jesus Christ. I'm not scared of your doubts. I'm not scared of your skepticism. Why? Because I know my God is bigger than doubts and skepticisms and cynicisms and I know that inquiries just like me can lead you to the faithfulness of God as revealed in Jesus Christ when you say why do I act this way why do I behave this way why does family do it this way why does culture do it this way why did I go through that I know God is faithful to use your inquiries because wise men ask questions and he can use your inquiries inquiries to lead you right into his faithfulness revealed in Jesus Christ Oh, inquiries. They leave Herod's chambers. They go on their way. It says the star that had first appeared reappears. A miracle. They're overjoyed. They're enraptured. It leads them to the house where Jesus lay. As soon as the wise men arrive, they see him with his mother Mary. And watch this. They bow down and worship him. They unpack their satchels. And gave Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, as Pastor Craig had mentioned earlier. Notice the wise men had inquiries. They're searching. They're seeking out the truth. And Jesus promised if you'll hunger and thirst for righteousness, he'll fill you. The Bible promised if you'll search God with all your heart that you will find him. See, such inquiries regarding how to bow down and serve the Lord is wisdom and they are good. It's not a negative thing where our youth and our children ask, why do we do this? Why do we do this as a church? That's a natural part of how God wants to allow Christ to be formed in them, that they know how to defend with the Spirit of God and the Word of God what God has taught them and discipled them in and formed in them. Inquiries, inquiries are a positive. Also regarding the shepherds, Luke says in Luke 2.8, nearby in the fields outside of Bethlehem, a group of shepherds were guarding their flocks from predators in the darkness of night. Notice he didn't reveal himself to shepherds who weren't guarding the flocks. Very interesting. Suddenly a messenger of the Lord stood in front of them and the darkness was replaced by a glorious light, the shining light of God's glory. They were terrified. A messenger said, don't be afraid. Listen, I bring good news. News of great joy. News that will affect all people everywhere. Today in the city of David, a liberator has been born for you. He is a liberator. He can free you of any entanglement of sin, any residue of the past. He is a liberator and he, the faithful God, has come. He's the promised anointed one, the supreme authority. You will know you have found him when you see a baby wrapped in a blanket lying in a feeding trough. Verse 13, at that moment, the first heavenly messenger was joined by thousands of other messengers. A vast heavenly choir, they praised God. They said, the highest heights of the universe, glory to God. And then verse 15, as soon as the heavenly messengers disappeared into heaven, watch this, the shepherds were buzzing with conversation. Notice it noted the shepherds were buzzing with conversation. They're buzzing with inquiries. And they did it immediately. 
And it led them right into the presence of the newborn king, Jesus Christ. Paul praised the Bereans. They said, you search out diligently the scriptures about if what I teach and preach is accurately. Jesus asked his disciples often questions. Because listen, inquiries can lead you into the very manifestation of Jesus Christ in your area of need. It goes on in verse 15 about the shepherds. It says, here's the response. Notice this. Let's rush down to Bethlehem right now. Let's see what's happening. Let's experience what the Lord has told us about. I pray that by the Holy Spirit gets burned into some hearts and some minds today. That you get up. Let us experience what God has prophesied over our life. Let us experience what God has promised to my life. I pray like the shepherds that that burns in you. That you have a let us now. Let us experience. Not to be passive and to sit back. But you bring your faith and expectancy that the God who declared it over your life is the God that's ready to be faithful and to fulfill the very promises in your life. See, wise men inquire. Wise men also, though, follow the prophecies and follow the path. Notice the wise men, they're inquiring, but they follow the prophecy. What did the prophecy say? It's going to be, he's going to be manifested in Bethlehem. This is where God wants to manifest himself in on and on the earth in Bethlehem and they followed the prophecy. What about you? Where is God wanting to manifest Himself in your life? Where is the finger of God, the Holy Spirit, putting His finger on your heart and mind? you got to follow that prophecy. you got to make it a priority. you got to say, God, here is this area of my life where you, the faithful God, want to come. And you want to come to liberate, to bring freedom, to bring joy, to bring contentment, to bring the very character and fruit of the Holy Spirit in that area of my life. But see, the wise men not only follow the prophecies, they follow the path. The Bible says they followed the path that the star led them on. See, like the shepherds, wise people also heed the prophecies and heed the path now. They said, let us rush down and experience it now. You need to get a tenacity for what God has spoken over your life. you got to get a tenacity for the high calling you have in Christ Jesus. you got to get a tenacity of how Christ wants to manifest himself through you. And you got to be wise like the shepherds and say, let us run after it now. We're not going to wait anymore. We're not going to allow the cares of this life. We're not going to allow the deceitfulness of riches. We're not going to allow our own instincts of just, you know, and our own idols of, of culture keep us from it. No, we're going to have a let us now experience the promise of what God has said in our life. It's what we learn from the Christmas story. See, what does this mean for you? It means just like saints on the earth had for centuries saying, come faithful God, come faithful God, come to Bethlehem, come to the place you promised to give birth to Jesus, to Jesus who will save us. I would imagine today that you have some needs where you need the faithful God to come to you. That you have some areas of need where you need that same faithful God who came to Bethlehem as He said in Jesus Christ. You need the same faithful God through Christ to come into some areas of your life. To come into some areas where you need direction. To come into some relationships. To come into some areas of provision that's needed. To give you some wisdom. Maybe to heal some hurts. Maybe to break some wrong thinking off your mind. Maybe to break off fear and that He can't use you in lies of the enemy. But I bet you have some needs where you need the faithful God. God to come into those areas through the person of Jesus Christ. And this is the point of the Christmas story that we now arrive at. This is now where you have the faithful now coming joyfully and triumphantly to Bethlehem to behold Him, to adore Him. You Now you have the faithful coming in response to the faithful God who at first came to them.
And what did the wise men bring? They bring their gifts. They bring their worship. They bow down before Him. The shepherds come bringing their faith and their expectancy to experience what the Lord has told them. I don't know how long you've been waiting on what God's promised, but you still each gathering. You still each time we group together. Each time we grow together through growth phases. Every time when you come before the Lord in the morning and pray to Him, you still need to bring your faith and expectancy. You don't need to allow the waiting period to get you distracted from what God has said over your life. You need to bring your faith and your expectancy to the Lord every day. And you need to keep serving while you're waiting. They brought their gifts. You need to keep bringing your gifts, bringing your finances, bringing the gift of praise, bringing the gift of your life and keep bowing down your life before Him that while you're waiting for God to faithfully come through Jesus Christ in areas of your life, you keep bringing faith, you keep bringing expectancy, you keep bringing your gifts and the use of your gifts and you keep bringing your inquiries. Oh God, I still wonder about this. And God says, oh, you just bring it all to me while you're of your need. See, many of you have been singing, many of you have been praying, many of you have been asking God to come into a situation, a circumstance, an area of your life that needs salvation and deliverance, healing and restoration, wholeness and peace, contentment and joy. And today we can learn in the Christmas story to not allow idols or instincts to deter you from encountering Christ in the area of your need. Herod didn't meet Christ. He didn't come and adore him. And experience Christ in the true need because he kept his idol. We learn from Joseph if we follow our own instincts. We can miss the very way Christ wants to manifest and answer the need before us. We can learn today to inquire of the Lord how he wants to meet and manifest himself in the area of our need. In the area of your need. We can learn from the Christmas story and understand today that there's already been a path modeled and set before us to follow regarding getting needs met. If you will learn this, you learn God's path and what's already been modeled of how to get every need met that God wants to meet. Not every desire, but every need. Every need for you to live out life and godliness and every need for you to fulfill your specific kingdom assignment. What is that that was modeled? What is the path that was set before us? Well, it starts with you got to inquire of the Lord. And it also, you need to understand that you don't need to know everything right now. You just need to know what He's saying to you right now. See, a lot of times people don't begin to pursue what God has declared over the life and what God has promised because they want to know all the details in every step and all the T's being crossed and I's dotted. Listen to me. You don't need to know everything that the Word of God says right now. You don't need every, know, know everything that God can teach you right now. You just need to know the one thing that God's saying to you right now. And you don't need the whole path of where God's going to lead you in five years and ten years and fifteen years. You don't need to know every turn and every U-turn and every left turn and every right turn. All that you need to know right now is the very next step on the path that He has for you. And when, when you know what He's saying to you right now, and when you know the very next step on the path, this is knowing God's prophetic word for the area of need and what you're facing. And why knowing the prophetic word is important? Well, we learn from John the Baptist. The Bible says John the Baptist was of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament in the time of transition. It calls John the Baptist the voice. And the Bible says the prophetic voice is the testimony of Jesus. 
You know why you need to know what God's saying to you right now? Because it is the testimony of what Jesus is about to do in your life. It is the very, very word that God is promising to fulfill in your life. You need that prophetic voice because it's testifying to Jesus who's about to come in that area of your life. Just for century after century after century, the prophetic voice promised that God's going to come to Bethlehem. God is going to come down. God's going to make a way. I know the earth is filled with darkness. I know that people are broken and messed up. But for years, Year after year and decade after decade, God said, I'm coming down to Bethlehem. The prophetic voice was testifying to how Jesus was going to manifest himself. And the prophetic voice does the same for you. So listen what Scripture says regarding John the Baptist, the prophetic voice in Luke 1 and 16. Here is his mission. He will turn many of the children of Israel around to follow the path to the Lord their God. Notice what the prophetic voice does. It turns you from your own instincts and idols to get you on the path that will lead you for the Lord to manifest Himself in the area of your need. See, oftentimes we start through our idols and instincts saying this is how God's going to meet our need. No, no, no. The prophetic voice enlightens the path of how Jesus is going to manifest Himself and meet your need. Notice what it also says about the prophetic voice. Your son is the one who will fulfill this prophecy. Watch this. He will be the Lord's forerunner. The one who will prepare the people and make them ready for God. See, the prophetic voice begins to prepare that area. The area of your need, it begins to prepare it for the Lord to come in and manifest himself as the answer. The prophetic voice lightens the path to follow. And it is what comes before Jesus manifests. That's why he calls the prophetic voice the forerunner. The forerunner. The prophetic voice comes before Jesus meets the need. And the prophetic voice confirms the prophetic path for you right now. Prophetic voice don't tell you everything. just tells you what God's saying right now. What God's wanting to do in your life right now. And guess what wise men do? They follow the prophetic word of what God's saying to them, and they follow the prophetic path that's been enlightened because that is the way to have Christ be manifested to you more and more. So the path of how Jesus is going to come into that situation, area, circumstance, herd, and mindset, the prophetic voice wants to enlighten it wants to speak to it. So today you can learn from those who's followed this same path, the wise men, the shepherds, of how to experience God's promise being manifested to you. And you can also learn from the wise men and people in the Christmas story what to do as you wait for the answer to manifest. As you wait for Christ to be manifest in the area of need. Remember what the wise men did? They brought their gifts and their worship. Keep using your gifts. Keep using your talents for the glory of the Lord. Keep giving the sacrifice of your praise. Keep being thankful. Keep being a worshiper and being grateful for what He's already done in your life. Like the shepherds, keep bringing your faith in expectancy. Paul told Timothy, he says, God's got some prophecies. He's got some places. He's got some things of what He's wanting to do in your life. And you need to take those prophecies and promises and you need to wage war in your current circumstances against the enemy. See, you can't sit back. you got to start waging war of what God has promised you, what God has said to you. you got to get it. you got to keep using your gifts. Don't let the enemy push you back from you serving in the area of where God has you serving. 
You can also learn from John's parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth. The Bible says in Luke 1, 6 and 7, that as they're waiting for the promise of God to be manifested, their child John, that they were walking with integrity in the Lord's ways and laws, and yet they had sadness. I preached about it last time I was in the pulpit, tears in the turkey. That here's people and they're thankful for all that God's done. They're walking in integrity. They're doing what God's taught them, and yet they still have sadness. What is the sadness related to? It's related to the area where they still need the faithful God to come and to manifest the answer to their need. What do you do while you're waiting for the answer of your need to be manifested? You keep walking in your integrity. You keep walking in what God has already taught you. You keep depending on the Holy Spirit who wrote those things upon your heart and mind to empower you to walk consistently in them. You keep walking in your integrity and in the ways of the Lord and the laws that He's already revealed and put in your heart. See, they kept walking in what they had already been taught. And you know what happened is they continued to walk with integrity in those areas. They walked themselves faithfully into the manifestation of Christ's faithfulness in their area of need. And I'm confident it's the same for you. And that's why Paul said, don't get weary in well-doing. You keep depending on the Holy Spirit to empower you to do what He's already taught you to do, to empower you to live out the character He's already wrote on your heart and mind while you're waiting for the answer of your need to be manifested. Jesus said, to the measure you use will determine the measure you receive. Go ahead and use what the Lord's already given you. He'll give you more. Paul said in Philippians 3, walk according to the light of revelation that you've received. It doesn't matter that you don't know what the person next to you know. It doesn't matter that you know what that person and all they know. All that matters is you know what you know, what God has revealed to you. And you walk integrally in what the Lord has already revealed to you. Walk in your light. And you'll walk yourself right into the faithfulness of God regarding the area of your need. You know what else we learned from Zacharias? He was faithful serving in his area until God opened the next door. I've had conversations with people before and they say, God's called me to fivefold ministry or called me to preach and teach. And yet when I said, okay, well, here's the open door. Why don't you be faithful to open up your home and start teaching in a, in a group setting and, and seeing how Christ can manifest His gift? And they said, oh, no, no, no. He's called me to be on the pulpit. I said, oh, you don't understand. You got to learn to be faithful with the door of where God has first put you and you be faithful using your gift. You be faithful serving until God opens another door. I'm not just talking about something I made up today. I'm talking about the faithful God and His faithfulness that's been revealed in my life and the very thing He's led me through and I've seen Him lead others through to see Jesus make you. Oh, Zacharias was faithful serving. In his area until God opened the next door. Jesus said, be faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. Paul said, whatever you find to do, do it unto the Lord with all your might. You know what else Zacharias did while he was waiting for the faithful God to come and manifest in his area of need? He was faithful to continue in prayer up until the manifestation of the promise appeared. The Bible says he was still in the temple praying. Jesus said, keep, ask, keep asking, it'll be given to you. Paul said, pray without ceasing. Pray always. Keep praying. See, oftentimes people, they allow their area of need to distract them from fellowshipping with the Father, spending time with the Father. Oh, we learn from Zacharias, be faithful. Keep praying up until the manifestation. You know, we can also learn from one of Zacharias' failures. 
that while we are wait, waiting, we're to be faithful in our words aligning with God's prophetic promise until the promise appears. The angel appears to Zacharias. He says, You're gonna, you and your wife's going to have a child. And he doubted the prophetic word. And the angel said, Because you doubted the prophetic word and the prophetic voice, you're going to lose your voice. He was silent from that moment up until the manifestation happened. Here's what we learned. You can't wait until God meets the need and manifests Himself as the answer of your need before you'll declare what He's prophesied and declared for you. We serve a God where He says, I need you to go ahead and wage warfare, though you don't see it yet, though you're not walking it. I need you to go ahead and align your words with my word. I need you to go ahead and declare how I'm a faithful God. And I know people's going to say, when's He going to do it? You've been stuck in that for a long time. But I need you to go ahead and align your words with my words over your life before... You see the manifestation and the answer of your need. And then we also observe in the Christmas story the other side of the miracle. The other side of after the faithful God comes into that area, He comes and He manifests Himself as the answer to your need. What do you do after that? What do you do after receiving the manifestation of Christ in the area of your need? Well, you can see this in Joseph and Mary. Look at Luke 2.25 on the screens. It says, while fulfilling these sacred obligations at the temple, they encountered a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a just and pious man, anticipating the liberation of Israel from her troubles. He was a man in touch with the Holy Spirit. Verse 34, Simeon says, listen, the child will make many in Israel rise and fall. He will be a significant person whom many will oppose in the end. He will lay bare the secret thoughts of many hearts. And a sword will pierce even your own soul, Mary. Look at verse 36. At that very moment, an elderly woman named Anna stepped forward. And Anna was a prophetess, the daughter of Phanil of the tribe of Asher. She had been married for seven years before her husband died and a widow to her current devoted to the Lord constantly in the temple, fasting and praying. When she approached Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, she began speaking out things to God. Is that not amazing? Here's a man named Simeon. Here's a man named Anna. And they're being faithful, doing all that God's taught them. And yet there's a prophetic word over their life. They're still waiting for a manifestation of what God said over their life. And guess what? It never would have happened if we don't learn from Joseph and Mary. What did Joseph and Mary do after they received the answer and God manifest himself as the answer of their need? They kept walking in obedience to what God had taught and told them. And as they're faithfully fulfilling all that God's already instructed them, their faithfulness after the miracle, their faithfulness after God came into the air of their life, it allowed someone else to re receive the manifestation of their promise. So you got to understand right now that your needs are not just your needs right now. God knows the people He'll bring across your path. He knows the people He's placed in your circle. He knows the people that's facing the same need right now. And He wants His faithfulness when it comes and manifests itself in your area need that then you don't forget him you don't go back to the old life but you keep serving him keep moving forward with him and your faithfulness after the faithful God comes in the area it will cause others around you with the same need to then receive the faithful God being manifested in their area of need and Simeon and Anna got the fulfillment of their prophetic word because most uh, Joseph and Mary, after they received their prophetic word, were faithful to keep doing what God told them. See, I've seen it too many times. Once God comes in where someone's been singing and praying and in need, and the Lord comes and manifests, manifests Himself as the answer, then they forget how they were once needy. 
how they once needed God to move and they get distracted by the things of life now that their needs are met and now that they have a home and a car and now you know they're not worried if they're going to fall into drugs and addiction today but they're able to live life they forget about the faithful God that came into their area of need and when we forget about the faithful God and how he's came in the area of our need we're forgetting there's other people like us around us that's waiting for the faithful God to come and to save them in the name of Jesus and deliver them and to be faithful to them as he's been faithful to us but I believe I'm in front of some people today you say Lord because of your faithfulness you now can make me faithful and I want even while I'm waiting to faithfully depend on you to empower me to do what I know to do. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep coming before you and bowing that area before you, surrendering that area before you. I'm going to come and ask you to influence that area. And even after, Lord, you show yourself as the answer to my need, I'm going to be faithful to keep following you. I'm going to be faithful to keep showing up and worshiping you. I'm going to be faithful to keep having a life of prayer and a life of fasting and a life of serving you because I know your faithfulness in my area of need and when I walk faithfully after that, it's going to liberate others in their area of need. If that's you, and that's what is you want to be in your life, I want to encourage you as we begin to sing, to make it a prayer, to make it a declaration. Say, oh God who came, you love from heaven that came in Jesus. I know you're going to come again in some areas in my marriage. You're going to come again in some areas of my hurts. You're going to come again in some areas that have questions and darkness. And you who are faithful to come to Bethlehem in Jesus Christ as a babe laid in a feeding trial, you're going to be faithful to come in these areas of my life. And then I'm going to be faithful to walk it out and knowing you're going to use me to touch areas in others. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's say we're of the faithful few who will come and behold Him, who will come and adore Him, who will come and bow down to Him, who will come and sing to Him. I'm telling you, He's a faithful God. And I pray my very presence in what God's ever taken me through, if I'm insufficient to communicate it, I pray just me standing on this platform is a demonstration of the faithful God, of a faithful God, of a faithful God that comes to save in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, Rachel.
Maybe you're here today, you say, Chad, I'm already a follower of Christ. I've came and I've bowed down to Him. But I have some areas of need that I need the faithful God who was faithful to come in Jesus Christ and faithful already to come and save me from my sin. I need Him to deliver some areas of my soul. I need Him to move in some situations and some mountains I'm facing. And I'm opening up those areas to Him. I'm inviting those areas to bow down to Him. And I'm asking the faithful God to come faithfully through Jesus Christ in these areas I'm facing. I want to pray for you. Raise your hand up and right back down. I want to know. Yes, yes. All over. Maybe you're here today. You say, Chad, I've never first came. I never first came and bowed down to Jesus Christ the only way. The only way to have sins forgiven. The only way to have the idolatry of living for sin and self broken. The only way to get a new heart. The only way to get a new identity. The only way to get a new standing with God. I've never came and bowed down and ask Jesus to be the Lord and leader of my life to live in me and live through me. And I know there's no other way. But He was crucified and He died and He rose victorious and now He has the power. He has the power to make me clean. He has the power to, to begin a new work on the inside of me, to make me a new creation, to make me a child of God, to break the shame and the shackles and selfishness off my life. And I repent. I turn from that. And I turn to Jesus Christ, and I want Him to be Lord and leader of my life. That's you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But raise your hand up and right back down. Say, Jesus, I need you to be Lord and leader of my life. Anybody? Alright, I want to pray with those who raised their hand before. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are mindful of every need of the people that are here. Lord, I just pray that through your word and through the work of your Holy Spirit, you would begin to visit those areas. You would begin to visit those areas of need. That you, the faithful God that came through Jesus Christ, will show your faithfulness again in those areas. Father, I just pray, Lord, that even now, Holy Spirit, you would give them faith. You would give them an expectancy. Lord, you would give them like the shepherds a thing that says, I'm now running after what you have promised. I'm now running after what you've provided for me. I'm not going to let the enemy hold it back. I'm not going to be passive, but in my waiting, I'm here. I'm going to keep bowing down those circumstances to you. I'm going to keep bowing down those areas to you. God, I pray your peace would prevail in Jesus' name. I ask, Father, in Jesus' name, that people would be loose from addictions now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that people would be loose from wrong mentalities and lies of the devil in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I thank you the anointing destroys every yoke. Lord, I come against the residue of hurt. Lord, in shame, in Jesus' name, the blood speaks better things. It says you're forgiven. It says you can lift your head up to the highest of highs and look to the Father who cares for you. His banner over you is love. In Jesus' mighty name, Father, I thank you for this. That every promise is yes and amen. We stand against doubt and we stand against the lies of the enemy. We stand against circumstances and things that seek to oppose the faithful God being faithful in their area of need in Jesus Christ's name. The same God who promised it is the same God that's faithful to fulfill it. Who he began a good work shall bring it to completion. For it's God in you and he set your feet in a broad place and he has paved a path before you and you don't need to know the whole path. 
You just need to know the next step. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him and lean not on your own understanding, but delight yourself in the Lord and the faithful God. For Christmas is the ultimate example that God is faithful then. He'll be faithful now and He'll be faithful forever and ever in Jesus Christ's name. Hallelujah. Come on, sing it. Sing it out. Come on, get it out of your spirit, man. Get your words aligned with the promises of God. Come on, I'm telling you how to get some fulfillment of prophetic promises in your life. I'm telling you how to get the manifestation of the goodness of God in your life. Sing it out of your spirit. Tell him he's worthy. Tell him he's faithful. Come on, look to him. set your feet on a solid rock. He'll establish your steps. You shall see light in the land of the living and the faithful God is your shepherd. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you bring us through the process of the fulfillment of the promise. And I thank you for a church that doesn't just hear from you what you want to do, but we're a church that will follow you to experience what you've said you wanted to do. Bless your people with peace today. Holy Spirit, comfort your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, we love you. We're going to continue to allow those who want to stay and linger and pray. Get some cards on the way out. Sign up for Grow Steps January 7th. Let's see this place packed out even before the new year where I'm believing it. We're going to see more salvations. We're going to see more deliverances, more water baptisms, more people than all the previous years combined in Jesus' name. And He wants to use each and every one of us. God bless you. You're dismissed. Get the invites. Get signed up if you're not already for growth phases. We'll see you next Sunday. Go in peace.